This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. I've been preparing for this all my life. Here's Porter on hard and taking him to school. What a great play by Jay Shante. KJ Martin climbed Bobon Mountain. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. And you've seen tonight that we, we fought together, we stayed together, and it's about damn time, man. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it. If you enjoy it, be sure to stay tuned for our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Now, joining us for today's episode, a loaded episode, is none other than credentialed NBA Draft insider and one of the hosts of the Locked on NBA Draft podcast, Richard Stamen, who you can find on Twitter at Mavs Draft. What's up, Richard? How's it going, Jackson? I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to have you back because the last time we had you on, we didn't know what was going to happen with the Rockets pick, and now... We still don't know what's going to happen with the Rockets pick, but in a good way, right? Because before it was like, okay, is it, is it going to fall to 18? Now it's like, well, we've got like our pick of the litter at, at pick number two. And it's really a, a great place for Rockets fans to be considering just how down bad, you know, and how horrendous things could have been. Um, So this is a great problem to have on our hands. Now I've been very vocal about the fact that I'm, you know, not, not quite as firmly, but you know, I'm still very much positioned on Mobley Island. You know, I have my timeshare on Green Island uh, that I visit from time to time. But I want to get your thoughts really quick on this Mobley versus Jalen Green debate, kind of where you think the Rockets should go with this pick, what makes sense to you. And I, I'm pretty sure, I think in our previous conversations, you had Mobley as the higher ranked prospect, right? Yeah, I have Mobley as a safe number two. He's pretty much on an island on his own in that ranking where nobody's really going to touch him. Maybe Jalen Suggs could have been the guy for me. I had him had number two for a while, but Mobley is just so unique. He does everything on both ends at such a high level that when imagine him filling out his body and you get an absolute superstar at the big at just at the post position, I guess it's really kind of almost positionless. Jalen Green, on the other hand, I I bumped him out of my top five. Um, you know, that's my hot take. So this is actually a pretty easy answer for me. I go Evan Mobley, but however, there is an argument to be made and it's not, I'm not low. I don't consider myself low on green where like there's people who are low in Kaminga and have him like below 15. That's low on someone. And I'm not even close to that. I just have Jalen green slotted at six. It's not really the lowest you could be on someone. And if you're the Rockets and wanting to build from that ground up, you know, that's a, that's the guy you might want to go for is Jalen Green. Like, I totally understand it. He has this superstar potential. So they're in an interesting position where you really can't go wrong for what they need. Do you think, and now, I'm first off, that is a spicy hot take to have Green mocked all the way down there when you've got other guys who are arguing that maybe he's a better prospect to take at number one over Cade Cunningham. I mean, and hey, that's, that's a whole other podcast for a whole other day because the Pistons might do something completely sinful i don't i don't know what to call it and take jalen green number one overall instead of Cade. we'll see how that you know situation pans out and how that 
works out for the Rockets. And obviously, we're going to talk about that in another episode. But I, don't, I want to keep the focus here on the, the Mobley versus Green debate. Now, you've got uh, Green kind of mocked a little bit lower there. And you bring up you brought up Jalen Suggs's name. And he's a guy that, you know, I was very high on originally coming out. And then I kind of he dropped a little bit lower for me. At least right now, I mean, we know where you have Green mocked, but in the kind of common consensus among Rockets fans is Mobley, Green, which one do you want? Do you think it's unfair that Jalen Suggs has kind of fallen by the wayside in that debate? A little bit. Um, I do think Jalen Suggs, the, the reason, though, that I can see the I can understand the fall for Houston fans, at least where you like don't consider him, is Jalen Suggs is probably that elite role player into a team that like has their cornerstone, right? So if you look at I don't know, uh, Cleveland, right? Like they, they're in a weird situation. It's weird to use them as an example. But Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro kind of seem to be their cornerstones. Jalen Suggs compliments them perfectly. Whereas Houston has no true cornerstone. They have a couple good players. Like Kevin Porter Jr. is probably the closest they have to it. But Christian Wood isn't a cornerstone. And it's just like, does Jalen Suggs elevating Kevin Porter Jr. right now do that much to make you take him number two? I don't think so. So, and I guess the, to, to kind of round this out before we dive into, we're going to talk about the NBA draft combine, uh, pro days, and kind of what all that means, as well as getting getting into some specifics on some of the uh, potential targets for the Rockets in the latter part of this draft. But before we get there, just, you know, one more area on this, uh, on this topic, because we're going to be t- t- talking about this for the next month straight. Um, so I don't want to dedicate full episodes to it quite just yet. But with Mobley, I mean, I think there's this kind of, you know, worry or maybe maybe it's just because like Jalen Green's like the sexier pick with, you know, this, you know, instant offense, you know, certified bucket, you know, the mentality that he's got, all of these things. But I feel like people are maybe underrating Evan Mobley's offensive potential. Do you think that's that's a little bit on, on the money? Yeah. I mean, I've seen people say he doesn't have a post game, which is just simply not true. And and to me, that kind of shows that people are underestimating him. You look at how he has a little bit of a bag to an extent for how raw he is as a ball handler. He already has some between the legs going into the jumper. He can size guys up in two dribbles. He really can't go more than two dribbles. That's his next step is to do that. But he has shown flashes of being able to drive. And and that's off of like real dribble moves. And something like that's really impressive for a big man. This and this is probably the hardest thing for me to ask you right now because you know we're just we're projecting so much uh, on this guy, but that's you know that's what you do is you <laughs> you and you analyze and you know I'm coming to you for your expertise, but conceivably right, I, I think a lot of people are viewing Evan Mobley and myself to this effect as not necessarily the number one guy on like a contender down the line, but you know he's almost like the perfect number two, right? The, the perfect like two B, you know, elite two way big do, does he actually have maybe that number one potential or do you think he's still going to be kind of just that ultimate secondary guy? I think I'd lean ultimate secondary guy, but the difference, because normally you wouldn't take that as number two, right? In a stacked class, but he has the potential to be elite as a rim protector and just overall defender actually, which makes up for not being a first option, I think. I want to get one more thing in here. The, the the thing about his defense, and maybe you can kind of talk about this a little bit, is he is kind of this new 
modern day NBA big in that he's not going to be like a Rudy Gobert who gets exposed when you go small, right? And I think that that is kind of one of the biggest selling points of him moving forward is not only does he have great rim protection, defensive IQ, like he's already shown that there's a, there's a high floor there already, but the idea that he's going to be able to, at the NBA level, hold his own on switches as well as be able to be a, you know, a, a competent drop big, he's not going to get exposed on that side of the basketball, right? Right, and he can switch rather easily, which is just an absolutely must in this era when you're trying to win in the playoffs. I mean, we look at DeAndre Aiden right now, who the Suns can't be exposed because of how easily he can switch. Yeah, so I mean, for anybody who's you know kind of sitting on the debate right there, we're going to continue breaking down you know the the back and forth between Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. I'm still firmly on Mobley Island, and it sounds like Richard is as well. But coming up, we're going to talk about the NBA draft combine, kind of what those what those days mean, what what it means for the prospects, and how they either built up or dropped their value. And we're going to do that after a quick message from Michelob Ultra because we've got your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, and this week. It is none other than Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley. Why Avery Bradley? Because look, Avery Bradley, tank commander, sorry, assistant to the tank commander, Avery Bradley, played a pivotal role. Every turnover, every missed shot, every fumbled pass in leading the Rockets to a 17 and 55 record, the worst record in the NBA. Now that didn't lead that like directly that did not lead to a lot of joy, happiness or excitement. But you know what did lead to a lot of joy, happiness and excitement? The Rockets securing a top four pick and retaining that pick. And now we get to debate who they're going to take number two overall, which is just incredible, right? I am happy because of that. So this is what you need to do. As we debate this number two overall pick for the next month, you need to kick back with a Michelob Ultra, 2.6 carbs, 95 calories, and you need to say Thank you, Avery Bradley, for all of his efforts to make sure that the Rockets finished with a bottom record in the NBA this season. And that is why he is your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets. Basketball chatting with Richard Stamen, of course. Now, Richard... The NBA draft combine has concluded. It looks, you know, basically this is a day where, you know, scouts, executives, front offices, they all come together and they, they evaluate this talent. This, you know, now when we're looking at what the combine means in the grand scheme of things, um, first off, can you, we're, we're past it now. And I, I should have teed this up before we did the combine, but I was so preoccupied with whether or not the Rockets were going to keep their pick or not. That was at the forefront of my mind last week. Walk us through what the combine is, like just how long it lasts, the days, and then we'll dive into the specifics of of what you know this means, kind of for the prospects that actually participated in the combine. Yeah, so generally speaking, in a normal world where media is allowed to be there and things like that, it's generally a way for teams and media to pass along intel to one another. It's where the draft really, like mock drafts, start actually gaining mean, meaningful, you know, gets traction. Like Draft Express's mock will change drastically from now like from even last week to now just from the combine like there's so much that happens individual workouts guys are showing off what they've been working on since the season ended and the measurements we finally get the official measurements those are the big things okay now with the and the official measurements that's probably the the biggest one because i've heard and this is again maybe maybe you have a different opinion on this but looking at different you know draft experts you know it feels like everybody kind of varies in some of their analysis on this but how much stock do you place in what happens at the combine from just like the, the pro day stuff to the, to the five on fives, the three on threes? Like, you know, do you have maybe like a, 
I don't want to say maybe like a modifier, right? For like, you know, okay, this guy shot, you know, you know, 60%, 80% on wide open threes during his, you know, shooting drills. Like, do you, do you then crunch those numbers down to what it would look like in a game scenario? Or how do you evaluate some of this talent? Honestly, it's best to take this stuff with a grain of salt for the most part. There's only a few takeaways you can really have. A lot of people, the way I look at it is like, if you knew someone had long arms, why does it matter if they had a 6'10 measurement over if you expected like 6'9? Like the difference of that in game and knowing how that stuff applies does a lot. So like Miles McBride, for example, we knew he had at least a 6'6 wingspan. He measured with 6'8. That's cool. He's a point guard. He's 6'1. So like, that's really cool to see with a plus seven. But like, does that actually change anything we knew? He's a defensive like stalwart anyway. To me, you have to know how to use those measurements to make them meaningful. And the, the measurements, I think, are where a lot of people start take, getting the takeaways. The open court shooting, a lot of that can be confirmation bias, myself included. Like I was thinking while you were asking me that, like, you know, James Book Knight killed it. Him and Jonathan Kaminga, two guys who I've been adamant on that their percentages just completely undersold them. And then they had that. So people are going to, and I'm trying to like tone myself down because I have them at five and four. And, you know, I, I don't think it actually means that much until they start using it in game and they didn't play in the combine scrimmages even. So it's hard to say what those numbers actually mean. Now, when you have guys who don't participate in some of these activities, you know, guys who either choose to just, you know, forego the combine completely. Now, this is something that, you know, a lot of the top prospects do anyways, because they're pretty much locked in and they don't want to risk. Right. You know, it they might not get basically right. They, the top prospects might not gain a whole lot. You know, it, it doesn't really matter if Jalen Suggs goes there. Right. He's not going to suddenly jump up, you know, a spot or two by going to the combine. But what might happen is he goes there and has, you know, a bad showing. Things look a lot worse or you know, worst, worst case scenario is he gets an injury. Right. And then, you know, suddenly his stock plummets. So, but other guys, right. This is kind of a chance for some of those fringe guys, maybe some of the second round prospects to kind of bolster their standing a little bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly, I think who it's for, because I think it's an easier jump to make to go from like 50 or potentially, you know, 60 to undrafted to being a fringe first rounder than it is to go from like 20th pick to 10th pick. Like you have to make massive leaps in your game to really prove that 10 spot worth compared to where right now in that 30 to 60 range, it's pretty interchangeable. So having a big outing makes you stick out and therefore you're jumping more people at once. Is there anybody that didn't participate that you were kind of looking forward to, 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 to seeing, you know, get out there? Honestly, I kind of wanted to see the measurements of Kuminga just to get, because we've heard anything from 6'5", 6'6", to 6'8". So that would have been nice to get out there. Um, I also would have loved to see Cam Thomas just play in that scrimmage, uh, see how he plays against, you know, NBA talent and with NBA talent. Not Maybe that shot selection turns down, but I think he got a first-round promise that he didn't play in there. So Cam Thomas is a guy that I want to talk about in our third segment, as well as another couple prospects. Um, but... With the with the way the combine is is kind of structured, and with the the five on fives, the three on threes, the the pro day stuff, was there anybody that did kind of stand out besides the measurement portion that we kind of highlighted here? Anybody that you kind of went in and they did do a good job? You know, they're, you're coming out of the combine, and you're like, okay, I'm a little bit higher on this guy, or I'm going to change my mock around based on how he did at the combine. So. I mean, one of them I feel more vindicated about statements like that, and that's James Book Knight. He absolutely crushed it. I've had him at five since February. Um, he's making me look a little bit smarter. Hopefully that actually doesn't really matter until like seasons from now, but it's starting to pan out where it's like, hey, that's not that crazy. So that's nice. Um, but Josh Christopher, I think, stood out the most. 
played pretty well in the combine. And then I got to talk to him after the, after his comp, uh, you know, his uh, scrimmage, excuse me. And he was telling me like the first thing he said, I like someone, someone had asked him and then I gave a follow-up and I was like, just walk me through like the criticism. He's like, eh, like, I played okay. But like, I was more worried about what I did wrong, you know, like how he wanted to improve. And you could just hear things like that, where he was so worried about like fixing, he was so more focused, I should say on fixing what he did wrong instead of, gloating about what he did right and things like that really stand out i think the guy who had a pretty down season at arizona state played well measured well like he he had a killer combine how much stock do you place in some of those interviews because i think one of the things that maybe the whole not to well we're going to revisit it damn (laughs) um the the whole jalen green evan mobley debate might come down to right is i think there's there's going to be some like data that like the NBA front offices that the Houston Rockets and other teams are going to have access to that we just won't have, right? Like exclusive interviews, workouts, that kind of thing. How much stock should be placed on some of those, like, I guess, unquantifiable like things like an interview, right? Like just kind of getting to know a guy, like getting, you know, vetting them through friends, family, you know, former coaches, like things like that. How much should, how much stock do you place in things like that? Yeah, so the intangibles are things that we just never see as just the public. Um, I do think that some of it has value. They can also miss. I think you can read into things very easily, but it's very subjective. Like if you value guys having to love basketball, then you might love Josh Christopher, kind of like the reasons I said. Like he told me like he grew up watching these guys. He said he named like obscure players that like no NBA player talks about. And things like that that might stand out for teams to go, hey, like this guy, like it's just like he is all in on basketball. It's not just a job for him. It's like he enjoys the game. Some teams might care about that. And some, I mean, personally for myself, I'm like talent outweighs that kind of stuff if you're that good. Um, but it's all entirely subjective, I think. I, th- I think it really just depends on what you're looking for in the culture and everything like that. May I offer you one Ben Simmons? Yeah. And the whole time, that's who I was talking about when I said he doesn't love basketball. Like, Ben Simmons is still an all defense. Like he's a defensive player of the year candidate. Like, I guess he technically hasn't won one, but like those guys are still good. You can be very good without loving the game. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, coming up, I do want to break down and talk about a couple different prospects. Want to talk about Cam Thomas for sure. Want to also talk about JT Thor and maybe we'll slip in a a third or a fourth guy in there if we have time. But first I've got a quick message from my friends over at betonline.ag because look, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. we got baseball season in full swing. We've got NBA playoffs going strong. Finals are almost here. They've also got NHL, UFC, you name it. They've got it over at BetOnline. So before the next pitch, before the next swing, before the next game, head over to BetOnline. Be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And one more message from our friends over at rockauto.com because look, with so many different brands, specifications, I mean, it's basically impossible for your traditional chain storefront to, to stock all the parts that you would need for your car or truck. So why would you want to, you know, waste time? You drive out there, you're, you're like, oh, I need, you know, I need, I need a, a rear tail light, right? For, for my specific car. You drive out there, you get there, they're like, oh, we don't carry this part in stock. Sorry, you got to order it online and from our warehouse. Just order it from Rock Auto. Their inventory is super easy to navigate. Their website, really user-friendly. 
best part is you're going to save money. Why would you want to spend up to 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same parts? They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, even motor, even uh, like motor oil, brand new carpet. What else am I missing? Probably a lot because their inventory is gigantic. So just head over to head over to rockauto.com and be sure this is a really important part. Be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Chatting with Richard Stamen, of course, host of the lock. Well, one of the hosts, one of the four, uh, one of the amazing hosts of the Locked on NBA Draft podcast, which, hey, this is your time of year. It's your time to shine. Richard, what do you got cooking over there for us? Yeah, every week I do three scouting reports. Sometimes I change it up. Uh, I'm going to start having guests on, too. So going to just really bring a lot of variety on the show, just trying to cover every single prospect as much as I can. Awesome. I always I always look forward to your shows, but just all four of them. I mean, it's been, you know, listening to you guys has been great to kind of gain a, a better understanding of the draft because that's where you guys excel. And that's why, you know, I bring you on the show so much. And that's why we forgive you for being a Mavericks fan. So, <laughs> um now let's let's go ahead and dive into these last couple guys that we got teed up. Uh, so I do want to talk about Cam Thomas here for a moment because he's a guy that's really interesting to me as you know a potential guy that the Rockets might want to look at as far as you know slotting somebody in you know get bringing in a guard who can you know conceivably slot in next to Kevin Porter Jr. you know a, a, as a potential backcourt partner because I think if you're looking at from the Rockets' perspective, if you go Evan Mobley at the top. Great. That's awesome. I think they've got to find a way to shore up their backcourt a little bit because they've got a lot of guard play, but three of them are kind of question marks in John Wall, Eric Gordon, and DJ Augustine. And, you know, reasonably, John Wall and Eric Gordon aren't part of the future. DJ Augustine, maybe he sticks around as that bit of like veteran presence to kind of mentor the young guys, so on, you know, so on and so forth. But they've got uh, Kevin Porter Jr., they've got Kyrie Thomas, and they've got they're probably going to bring back Armani Brooks, whether it's on a full NBA deal or another two-way contract TBD, but they're probably going to bring him back. Now that's not a whole lot of size in that backcourt, unfortunately. And Cam Thomas isn't a guy that provides a lot of size, but he's an interesting prospect to to be able to have in that two spot next to Kevin Porter Jr. So what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, it'd be an interesting fit with Kevin Porter because neither of them is a true lead guard. uh, Cameron Thomas is a pure scorer. There are some really interesting things about him. One, his shot selection is terrible, and he still shot 40%. Uh, I did a little fun piece, which is if you took out one bad shot a game, because this happened every single game. It's not even like a theoretical thing. It's legitimately, if you took out, he had one bad miss, where there was a shot, it's like, why are you taking this? And he missed it. If you removed that from every game, you bump up his field goal percentage to 43% just about. And it's like that from 40% to 43 is a big jump for a guard. If you can tone his shot selection down, you actually get a really good player. I think he's the most – there's a case to be made that he's the most skilled shot creator in terms of just like the separation he creates. He can shoot from so deep. It all is there. It, the only issue is he's just not going to bring much else. So he might be Jordan Clarkson, but you also have to look at the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over for how much he has the ball in his hands, and that's a lot to – that says a lot. You know, so from the film that I've watched, that is, that is something that I'm just like – Dude, <laughs> like the the shot selection is a little wild, um, and, and even you know original Ro- uh, Locked On Rockets podcast host, uh, the Podfather himself, Ben Dubose, uh, very high uh, on Cam Thomas, and 
you know, he brought up the fact that, you know, the, the shot selection, not quite there, but the shot making is there, you know, the degree of difficulty on some of his shots. And as far as how that translates, you know, at an NBA level, I, I do find it interesting, a segue from here, viewing Kevin Porter Jr., not necessarily as like a lead guard, because I think he does. I agree. He doesn't quite fit that archetype. But for the Rockets moving forward, they absolutely want the ball in his hands as much as possible. So he's not necessarily like your traditional lead guard, but he's, you know, at least your offensive quarterback, I would I would I would suppose. I mean, is that like a fair assessment or because I, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. Like, do you want a lead guard next to Kevin Porter Jr. is my is kind of where I'm coming with this. Right. Do you want to take the ball out of his hands? And yeah. and I get that. The whole the thing I would just say is, like, do you want do you want him to be the primary offensive focus? And can that like can him being your absolute first option, being the guy who gets only through what three to six assists per game? Can you function with that? And will that with the high scoring? Because, I mean, he's going to be a 20 points per game guy um i mean that's is the trade-off worth it and does another off ball or excuse me on ball like ball handler make him better make him worse and that's all we honestly don't know that's a really difficult stra- I, I guess task the rockets have at hand yeah i mean we only we have such a small sample size with kevin porter jr and i definitely think this next season will be a, m- a lot more telling but unfortunately for the rockets and from their perspective they still don't know what's going on with john wall and if he's in a rockets jersey i'm hard pressed to imagine that he's not going to be sharing the backcourt with kevin porter jr at the start of the season if he's still a houston rocket and again that kind of inhibits the rockets ability to develop and figure out okay can kevin porter jr be this this guy for us can we put the ball in his hands for 34 to 38 minutes a night and let him really steer the offense completely by himself. Because to me, I would love to slot a guy next to Kevin Porter Jr. who's just your prototypical like wing, like 3 and D type type player. And that's also why, and may, maybe we should have dedicated some time to this, but you, you might have to talk me out of Quentin Grimes. Because to me, I would love to see hometown hero, you know, Cougars legend Quentin Grimes in a Rockets jersey alongside another Cougar legend in Armani Brooks. But he kind of he had a really impressive combine, didn't he? Yeah, he measured pretty well. I think he had a plus three wingspan, something like that. Um, he, yeah, he definitely measured well and made you know a lot of. He was showed out in the drills, like he made a name for himself and probably solidified himself as a second rounder. I'm not gonna lie, I still have a sour taste in my mouth from how bad he was at Kansas after his first game. Like he peaked literally his first game against Michigan State, so a little bit hard to get that taste out of my mouth, but. If his jump shot translates, like, yeah, he's he's going to be a rotation player. All right. Well, I want to spend a little bit of time on this last guy because I think he's a really interesting prospect. And at this point, I really want to steal him from the OKC Thunder. JT Thor, who has, you know, kind of started kind of making the rounds, really making a name for himself, really starting to uh, generate some buzz around his name. And he wasn't a guy that I was really paying a whole lot of attention to, you know, didn't see him on, you know, kind of missed out on him on some mocks and stuff. So talk about JT Thor for a minute. G- give us, you know, some, some hype behind him. Cause I've got my preliminary ideas about what his, what his fit could be for the Rockets, but I want to, I want to hear it from you. Yeah. So um, what I thought was going to happen was I thought he would return for a sophomore year and just break out. I thought that's what the inevitable second step was in his collegiate career. But with Jabari Smith entering there, that probably was in his way. So he'd rather have the breakout in the NBA. He's a long forward who can create his own shot. He can defend really well. 
multiple positions, moves incredibly well on the perimeter, arguably the best lateral mover in the class overall, and that includes guards like Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell. So that's really impressive. He can shoot the ball. I, I fully buy the jump shot. I think it's just a matter of when it becomes consistent, not if. There's really nothing wrong with his shot. So he's a pretty modern four. Like he's a borderline unicorn. I think that was kind of the thing that stood out to me when I was looking at some of the the tape from the combine is just how smooth his shot overall looked. And I know that's something that you and I have discussed when we were breaking down the top prospects, when we've kind of gone through some of the other you know ladder picks that we've discussed is you know, the questions about does the shot or will the shot translate at the NBA level? And we've gone into like, are there any mechanical issues with the form? Right. But to me, JT Thor's form looks incredible. Yeah. It's a quick release. It doesn't have anything mechanically wrong at all. And he gets up quick. Like it's, it's quick footwork and quick release. It's a, just all around. It's a quick shot. And as a four at six ten, like that's, that's not easy to stop. Where do you have him mocked right now? Honestly, it changes every day and it's getting higher and higher every day because he just scheduled workout with the end of the lottery teams, um, which kind of speaks volumes. I could see him going as high as like 12 or 11. Like I think, honestly, I, I have a hunch it'll be Indiana at 13. I think they're going to swing for the fences. I've seen people say Orlando at eight, given Weltman's history of taking like uh, Thon Maker. So, you know, who knows? I personally, as a Magic fan, would not be opposed to JT Thoradate. I think that's a perfect swing for the fences, but I think he's going to go end up lottery. You know, and what the, that. say that say that last bit? Sorry to crush that dream at twenties. I know, right? Just well, you know, you know whose dream is going to be crushed is it'll be Rylan from Locked On Thunder because he's desperate to have you know Thor in a Thunder jersey. Um, no, and I mean he also you know was really high on Thor as a player and still is. But you know, it's so crazy seeing seeing these mocks kind of shifting around and. I brought up Thor because, you know, there was a, po- a photo that he posted to, I think, his Instagram where it looked like he was, you know, in some Rockets workout shorts. So conceivably, he probably had a workout with the Rockets that wasn't, you know, made super official anywhere. Um, another guy that, you know, did work out for the Rockets, and it was actually his very first workout, was Trey Mann. And he was a guy, or is a guy, that I'm still really interested in. And you and I have kind of talked about Mann. And the more that I've looked at some of the tape on him, I'm, I'm still kind of in this bubble where I'm really – there's so many great options, Richard, at the 23-24 spot for the Rockets. And the fact that Rafael Stone was able to finesse moving up from 31 to 24 for the Bucks pick, just a really incredible show of what he was able to do and, and, and seal for the P.J. Tucker deal. But if we're talking today, let's operate under the assumption that the Rockets take Mobley at, at, at number two. What prospects right now kind of really interest you at those tw- at that 23-24 spot? Who do you currently have mocked right there? And I'm sure this will change, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it again before we get to the, the fateful day, but who do you have there right now? Honestly, there's someone who I could see that would be such a slip um, from where he is on talent-wise, because I have him as 21, but his talent is like number five or six, um, maybe seven, I guess, given what I have. But Jalen Johnson could realistically slide there, depending on how he interviews. And that's a guy who has top three ceiling in the class. And then also Josh Christopher, a guy who we've already talked about. Those are two ridiculous swing for the fences. You get a shooting guard, you get a combo forward, and then you get Evan Mobley at the top. Like that's that's an A plus draft. And I, I'm I'm a big fan of like the idea of maybe 
one of those two picks being kind of a safe pick for the Rockets and then another pick being more so one of those swing for the fences type picks. Because look, if you've got three picks and you know that the number two overall is going to be a relatively safe bet with whoever you take, right? He's probably going to pan out. Then maybe you get one more safety pick where you're just like, all right, we're really confident in this guy's ability. The floor is really high. And then they swing for the fences on one of those final picks. So uh, you're, you're, you're talking uh, Chris, Christopher would be kind of your swing for the fences pick there. I would say Jalen Johnson's the swing. Like that's the swing for a grand slam. And then Josh Christopher's like a solo home run. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, t- I'll take those. I-, I-, I like the, I like that mock right now. I'm a little disappointed about the Thor one. We'll kind of see where he shakes out at, but Richard, go ahead and let everybody know where to track you down at. Yeah. At Mavs draft on Twitter. I do weekly mock drafts. Uh, community mocks is what I call them. I have 30 people. We all, it's, it's like a simulation of the real mocks and it's turned out to be incredible. I'm doing them every week leading up to the draft. I'm doing my own personal mocks, just me of what I think will happen. And then locked on NBA draft every Tuesday, I'm doing the scouting reports and everything like that. All right, Richard. Well, really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. As always, really great talking about basketball with you. Appreciate it. All right, that is going to do it for today's show. But be sure to like, subscribe, uh, hit the you know subscribe button on YouTube, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcast. Hit subscribe. We would greatly appreciate it. I, sit, I think we're sitting at about like 650 subscribers on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely go check that out. Our goal is 1,000 subscribers by July 15th. And the, the overwhelming support that we've already gotten, we are more than halfway there. And we've got, you know, Tons more time before July 15th that I'd love to knock that one out of the park. But for today's episode of Locked on Rockets, that is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.